Um, the reading is taken from John chapter 15, uh, verse 17. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will cheat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue, in fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a sacrifice to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you. Good morning, neighbors. We've sung some incredible songs, eh? I mean, did you hear, did you listen to what you were singing? That's unbelievable. You know what the unintended consequences of this is, if this is true of your life? Well, we're going to look at it today. You'll be hated. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, as you've sung, you are my everything. I own nothing. Nothing is important to me. Nothing matters to me but you. You will be hated. Unintended consequences of following the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus on this whole entire section of John's Gospel, chapter 13 to 17, is preparing his disciples that he's going to go and that they're going to stay behind and what they can expect life to be like. How they are going to relate to him by the Spirit. How they're going to relate to the Father and how the world will relate to them. And so last week we were like slam bang in the center of this passage, which is all about remaining in Christ and find your life in Christ. And so he is warning us all the way through. If you notice, there's a phrase that he keeps on saying, I've told you now so that when it happens, you will know. That's what we call forewarned is forearmed, all right? So I'm telling you about something that's going to happen so that when it does happen, you are ready for it. So you're not surprised, you're not overwhelmed, you're not shocked, you're not going to run away, you're not going to give up, you're not going to ask too many questions, because I told you before it happens, 
that this is what's going to happen. So Jesus is good, eh? He warns you. You follow me, then there are certain things going to happen to you in this world. And today we're looking at this fantastic thing about being hated for Jesus' sake. Fascinating. So it's not that it's one of those nice emotional high talks, eh? It has got some serious issues that it addresses. So let's ask God to help us. Otherwise, we may not hear his voice. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus made absolutely sure that it was written down. We thank you that your spirit is able to make us grab hold of these words. And so as we do so, may we indeed be forewarned so that we may be forearmed. For to be prepared is to actually have half the victory already done. So thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you tell us what you expect in this world, what you expect about what it means to follow you. And so bolster us, strengthen us, brings us to deeper conviction that it is actually worth having you as our all, as we've been singing. So be kind to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to remind you, chapter 16, verse 1, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. So Jesus is saying, the stuff that I'm now going to talk about has the potential to make you fall away. So that's a little bit more serious than just I told you this so that when it happens, you will know that I told you it's going to happen. He's actually very concerned with Christians. We have seen already in this entire section, this section here, that one person has already fallen away. His name was Judas Iscariot. He was one of the 12. He was on the inside. He was done all the stuff that everybody does. But he did not remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he fell away. So Jesus is not talking um, possibility. He's talking reality. People fall away because of very different reasons. But we've already had one of the 12 fall away in this section. So I tell you this so you won't be surprised. All right, so three things we're going to look at very shortly. It's not complicated stuff, really. It's what can Christians expect? What can followers of Jesus Christ expect from the world? Secondly, why is the world, why does the world have this attitude towards Christians? And how do you live in this world knowing these two things? So it's quite simple, isn't it? It's not, so you don't have to stress today about complicated sentence structures and stuff like that. You can actually relax a little bit and just hear what he says. So as you look at this passage, there are three major words that Jesus used. So in verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So the first thing you can expect from the world, if you love Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your life, then you can expect the world to hate you. Now the word hate is not used in the kind of way that we tend to use it. When we talk about hate, we're talking about being almost overwhelmed by emotion to the extent that we are going to try and express it in some other way. That's often not how the Bible uses the word hate. It's not being overwhelmed. It's actually preferring something to something else. So I hate broccoli because I prefer ice cream. All right? It's not that I have an absolute passionate hate to destroy every broccoli bit that I find in life. It's just that I don't like broccoli, and I don't want to eat it unless I have to eat it. I would rather eat ice cream. I hate broccoli. I prefer ice cream. You see what I'm trying to say? It's a comparative word. 
So the world may hate you by not preferring to hang around with you. They're not necessarily going to hit you. They're not going to necessarily hurt you. They're not going to necessarily do anything. They just don't like you. Because when they are in your vicinity, you talk about Jesus Christ. You are annoying. And they don't like you. They don't want to hang around with you. They prefer not to be your friend. I remember when I became a Christian, a number of my non-Christian friends came and said, Oh, it's wonderful. And we're so glad that you became a Christian. And then they just never invited me to the parties anymore. That's how glad they were. They didn't hate me. They didn't hit me. They didn't spit in my face. They just preferred not to hang out with me anymore. I'm like, huh, what did I do wrong? It took me a while to figure out it's Jesus' fault. Right. So they may renounce you. They may reject you. They may you know, just don't like you. They may hate you in that sense. But they may actually persecute you. It's another word he uses. That is when they deliberately come for you to harm you. So persecution is another possibility. Not only don't they like you, they get to the point where whenever they find you, they are going to nail you somehow. So they can't wait for you to come into the conversation so that they can demean you in front of other people. That they can roll their eyes in front of other people and say, here comes that Bible basher again. That's persecution. Subtle, not massive. I mean, they may hit you, but most of the time, it's, they just can't wait almost for you to get up into the conversation so that they can just... <laughs> You know, these poor idiotic Christians who think Jesus is the answer. They may do that. Maybe persecute you. Or they may go all the way, as the text says in chapter 16, that they may kill you. They may shut you out of their fellowship, out of the synagogue. He's talking specifically about the Jews. And they may actually kill you. So you're going to have the whole range, from just not being liked and preferred all the way to being killed. This depends on who you're friends with what they're going to do, and how much they dislike you. So as a Christian, you can expect to not be liked, not to be preferred, not to be hanged out with, to be hurt, and actually even be killed. What is fascinating over the history of the world, it is other religions that often persecute Christians more than non-believers which happens here. Talks specifically about the synagogues. So these people claim to know God, and they will kill you if you tell them you need to know Jesus to know God. They won't. Yeah, other people don't get so excited. So the more religious you are, the more you want to persecute those who say that salvation actually only comes through Jesus Christ. It's fascinating to see that work out. So religion is, can be a very strong persecuting reality. And we in South Africa know everything about that, isn't it? We, the religious people, have created a political system by which we persecuted people for their color in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thought we were doing God a favor. That's terrible, isn't it? So be careful how this thing works. So the world does not necessarily mean unbelievers in the these are religious people. These are even people who claim to follow God. If you tell Christians, many people claim to Christians, you tell Christians, Jesus alone is the answer. I've seen Christians roll their eyes. You know, it's, it's Christian stuff, you know. I mean, that's a little bit over the top. I mean, isn't it me and Jesus? Isn't it Jesus and my obedience that will change the world? Jesus. <laughs> These Christians. Over the top people. 
Fascinating. You can be persecuted by those who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They are part of the world. You'll see that. Fascinating, isn't it? It's not that simple to spot the world. The world is humanity in rebellion against Jesus Christ. Whether that rebellion is flat out open or that rebellion is just confused. It is not following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the world, according to John's gospel. So he says, the world will hate you. People will roll their eyes at you. And they will sit in the church right next to you. Because they do not actually believe and remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. They think there's another message that has to go out that they have to live by. So be careful. They were persecuted by the very people that they grew up with in the synagogues, in their families, in their towns, because of Jesus Christ. The exclusivity of Jesus Christ is a massive stumbling block to anyone who doesn't actually believe it's only Jesus Christ. Even if you're part of the church and part of Christianity as such. All right, you got it? So you can expect this. So don't be surprised when people roll their eyes. Don't be surprised when they don't like you, when they don't want to hang out with you, they don't want to talk to you, they don't want to invite you to their parties, and when they actually go out and harm you or when they line you up to kill you. Jesus says, don't be surprised. Because that's what they have done with me. All right, so the second question there, why disciples of Jesus can expect this from the world? Well, very simple. He tells us uh, in verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So the world hates anyone who does not conform to its aspirations, its language, its uh, ideologies, its expectations, its message. You know how it works. It's true for many different things. So the EFF hates the Freedom Front Plus because they don't belong to one another. So they are at loggerheads with one another. I mean, that's quite, that happens everywhere in so many areas of human life. If you don't belong, well, we don't like you. We prefer not to hang out with you. We prefer not to talk to you. We prefer to demonize you. We prefer to point all the problems to you. That's what people do, isn't it? But it's fascinating when you go to the EFF and you go to Freedom Front Plus and you tell them that none of their political efforts are going to change this world, will only be Jesus Christ, then they will both hate you. Because you don't belong to them. You see, you're not buying into their philosophy of changing the world. You don't agree with their agenda. You're saying to them, there's no other way that you are going to save mankind in this world than through Jesus Christ. Then you will be hated by both of those groups. That's how you are hated. The world cannot handle it when you don't belong to them. When you don't talk like them. When you don't have the aspirations they have. They don't like it. Because they can't control you. That's why you are hated. You don't belong. If you belong to Jesus, you don't believe this world just needs some tweaking and it will be okay. You know it's not going to be tweaked okay. You know it's going to only be okay when Jesus Christ comes back in glory. And you know only those who know him and believe in him and trust him now will be ready for that day. You know that. So you can't walk around telling people only what we need to do is we need to be kinder. Be kind by all means. But that's not going to bring about salvation in this world. 
You can be nice, or all means, but niceness is not going to bring about salvation in this world. The world will love you if you're nice, because then it seems like you belong to them. But if you are nice and say, listen, niceness doesn't change the world. The only thing that changes the world is Jesus Christ. Then they will hate you. They will prefer not to listen to you. Because you keep on going to come back to this reality that they don't like to be reminded about. Stop reminding me about the truth. You are annoying. And you are breaking all my hope for this life. If we can only get the ANC to have a better economic policy. No, have a better economic policy by all means. It's not going to bring salvation to mankind. You got it? If you don't belong, if you don't talk, if you don't think, if you don't as passionate about their agenda as they are, the world will hate you. They will despise you. They will push you to the side. And as we said, they may kill you. Especially because you don't belong to them. I mean, that's what Jesus says. Who do you belong? Whose are you? Who do you belong to? What do you say who you belong to? What comes out of your mouth? What's the agendas that you talk about? What do you get passionate about? What do you get excited about? What do you cry about? Is it the gospel? Or is it your family? Or your children's upbringing? Or the economy? Or the politics? Or your holiday? Or load shedding? What does your mouth say is where you belong? Is it Jesus Christ or not? Have you worked it through? Are you working it through? Are you growing in it? That's what Jesus is saying. If you belong to this world, you talk like the world, you walk like a duck, you look like a duck, you sound like a duck, you're a duck. If you love Jesus, you talk like Jesus, you belong for Jesus, you look like Jesus, you're a Jesus follower. Not complicated. So Jesus says, when you do this, this is what will happen. The world will actually hate you. The reason the world hates you, further, second one, the world will hate the disciples of Jesus and their message because it hated Jesus and his message. Look at what he says in the second part of verse 20. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey you also. Translation there is not the greatest. It says, if you keep my word, if they kept my word, they will keep your words. Fascinating. We don't want to get into all the details there. Keep is a very interesting word. The word is not obey, the word is keep. You keep what you treasure. You protect what you treasure. What you treasure is the closest to your heart. If my word is your treasure and you keep it, that means you you hold on to it, you make sure you have it, you make sure it is the center of your being, then you are mine. Isn't it what he said last week? How do you remain in me by remaining in my word? If you keep my word, well, great, then you're mine. They don't keep my word. They listen to it. Mm, they reject it because another agenda holds out more promise for this life than the gospel. So then they don't keep the word. They don't treasure it. They treasure something else. They don't treasure it and keep it. Well, they're not going to treasure and keep yours. See how it works? But the heart is full of the mouth speaks about what is your heart full of? Where does your heart belong? Remain in Christ? This is what's going to happen. See how he keeps on pushing this stuff across one another. Fascinating, isn't it? So helpful. Jesus is so clear. Don't be surprised that when you do talk about where your heart belongs, where your home is, your home is with the Father and the Son through the Spirit, 
and you talk about that, then people will, wow, and they will keep it, and they will talk about it. If it's not, well, then you will talk about what they talk about, and then you won't be hated and persecuted and killed. You can expect them to treat you if you talk about me as I spoke about me, as they treated me. And Jesus is on his way to his death. So, again, he tells us, very helpful. As I speak and live the gospel, you will find that people don't like it. They don't like to be told that they cannot save themselves, nor anybody else in this world can save them. It sounds negative, isn't it? And yet it's the most positive message in the world. But what you value, when your value is cut back to size, you get annoyed, isn't it? If you really want a better life than this life, and I keep on telling you there is no way you're going to get a better life except to face in Jesus Christ, you will get annoyed with me. Of course you will. And so that's what he's saying. As I did this, they will do it to you. As they listened and kept my word, they will listen and keep yours. So don't be surprised. That's why they hate it. They hate the message, in other words. The world hates because their sin is exposed. We're not going to spend too much time with that, but really that's what it's saying. Your impulse and my impulse, our natural impulse is no one tells me how to live my life. If there is a God, and he is like God the Father, that is revealed through God the Son, then you have a problem, Houston. You do not belong to yourself. You did not create yourself. Your opinion about yourself actually doesn't matter at the most basic level. If there is a God who has made you, then he has the right to tell you how you should operate. And we don't like that. The human impulse is to reject that. No one tells me how I should live my life. I'll do it my way. Isn't that so funny? They ask people if you could take songs and stuff with you to an island. Apparently this song that most people chose was... I did it my way. Frank Sinatra's song. Most people would take this song with them. I did it my way. That is just so bred into us. So to be confronted with the fact that you were going to give an account of everything you thought, hoped, desired, and expected from God is very annoying. If you have a high view of yourself. So Jesus says, boom. The Father's there. I'm here. I'm showing you the Father. I'm telling you, you can only come to the Father through me. You must come to him. Otherwise, you would got tickets for you. The world hates it. Doesn't like that message. Sin's exposed. Heart is exposed. So Jesus says, that's what's going to happen. He does it twice. Words and deeds. I show you who I am. I say to you who I am. And everything I've shown you, my works are all. What was Jesus' works like? Okay, easy. Good or bad? Is there anything that Jesus did that he did out of selfish motivation? Every single thing Jesus did was to bring about life and to bring about restoration and to bring about flourishing. That's everything I did. And everything I said in the light of that says exactly the same thing. That I have come to give life and to give it in abundance. 
But there is something that needs to be removed and changed if that abundance is going to come. And that is your heart. You cannot have what I have if you do not change your heart to the way it should be. I've done only good. Not I've done some good. Most of us do some good, is it? I mean, I hope you do. But do you only do good? Not too difficult, eh? You cannot help yourself but do good and bring about restoration, flourishing, and life. You can't help yourself. Really? See how Jesus is different? Jesus says, I only speak life. I only do life. Everything I've done proves it. Now that I have come, now that you know what God is really like, look at what the verse says. Verse 25. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Nothing in what I said or what I've done have indicated any maliciousness from my side. Any evil, any breakdown, any unkindness, nothing. And people still hate me. Without cause, like they hate my father. There is nothing in me for why they are hating me. It's all in them. My whole life is a proof of that. People hate Jesus Christ because they want to be God. There is nothing in Jesus that could possibly ever get anyone to hate him. Now you've got to, maybe you don't know your confidence. Go and read the scriptures and see if there's anything in Jesus Christ that will make you hate him. That why he deserves you to reject him. Is there anything he says, anything he does that proves that he's not worth it? So he says, that's why the world actually hates me. I came to reveal him and they don't want to know him. So they hate without reason. So people will hate you if you tell them about Jesus Christ without reason. If you don't tell them about Jesus Christ, you won't be hated. That's the good news. You don't want to be hated, you don't want to be persecuted, you don't want to be killed. Don't talk to about Jesus. Just live your life as you normally do. No one will even notice. You won't call a blip on the horizon. Talk about Jesus. Tell them why you believe in Jesus. Tell them that you've been singing, oh, you are my life, you are my everything, I ditch everything, you own everything, everything is yours. <laughs> Woof! You overzealous fanatic idiot. You won't be hated, you won't be, you won't feel the rejection if you never talk about Jesus Christ and you never live for him, you would not even know it exists. Life will just go on humdrum as it is. So Jesus is saying, the world hates for these reasons, but actually they hate for no reason. It's insanity. Guys, it's absolutely insanity that a human being with a noose can look at the facts and reject Jesus Christ. It is only insanity. You put people like that actually in the Gurundakis, isn't it? And yet, here I am. Why did I come out? Because God's grace. Because I rejected him. I thought it was a nice idea. I didn't believe he's my Lord, my only Savior, my only hope, my only life, my only anything. I didn't believe that. I grew up in the church. Did all the things that the church expected me to do. Got gold stars for all my Sunday school exams. Didn't know Jesus Christ at all. And also didn't experience any rejection. 
like, Jesus, wow. <laughs> Start talking about it. People are like, oh, here he comes. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> you don't talk about Jesus. You don't love Jesus because you don't express it somewhere. You won't get... Jesus says, they hate me without reason. They'll hate you without reason. I hope they do hate you without reason, not with reason. And that's where the next little section. So how do we live in a world like this? How do we live in a world where sanity is not ruling? Well, Jesus says, you live like I did, basically. He quotes that phrase for us in verse 19. 20, sorry. Remember what I told you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Fascinating, isn't it? You live like Jesus did. How did Jesus live? Jesus loved people, was gracious to them, and he spoke the truth to them. That's how you do it. Quite simple, really. You actually engage, you go towards people, to love them, to be gracious to them, so that you can speak the truth to them. That's what you do. You do what Jesus did. No one, you follow, the servant follows the master. The master did it this way, so that's how you do it. That's what he calls you to. So really, to break it down, as we looked last week, that you remain in Christ's love as you love other Christians, specifically as Jesus loved them. So even Christians, even funny, Christians don't like to be loved Christianly. It's really weird. It is not a natural thing to come and ask for advice and be told that you need to believe in Jesus Christ. Most of the time when you come and ask for advice, you want to get out of the tight spot and you hope this guy has got more knowledge than you do. So most of people do not want to be helped, even Christianly. Even people who claim to be Christians don't want to be helped Christianly. So as Christ would have helped them. They want the problem solved. Not the problem solved. The problem solved. Can you give me the pill that will change my wife to make her more submissive? Not can you give me the Lord Jesus Christ that I become more loving? doesn't happen, guys. Very seldom does it happen. The problem is always somewhere else, someone else, something else. Jesus says the problem is right inside your heart. And if your heart doesn't change, even if I change the context, you'll muck it up again. I've come to change your heart, not your circumstances. For now, I will change the circumstances for all those whose hearts have been changed when I come again. Yes! Good news, isn't it? Good news, is it? Doesn't look like it. I'm going to put a mirror behind me. But you can see what I see. When I tell you there is no hope outside Jesus Christ, some of you guys are frowning. Maybe you need to work it out still. Maybe you don't, you don't have it. Maybe you don't get it. It's okay. Ask Jesus to help you to get it. Because I can't even help you. So go on and testify like Jesus went and testified. Speak. Speak up. Your mouth always reflects what your heart finds the most valuable. I can... Curb it for a couple of moments in certain contexts when I'm aware of it. But without that, I will eventually show you what is in my heart and what's the most valuable to me. I cannot escape that reality. 
So if Jesus is in your heart, then talk about Jesus. If you don't, how will you know? You're excited about your kids? You talk about your kids. You're excited about your grandchildren? You talk about your grandchildren. You're excited about Jesus? Talk about Jesus. The world will not know that Christ has come into this world to save the world by you being very nice. Now, by all means, be very nice. It will know if you tell them. Just like Jesus said, I did not come for any other reason but to preach about the kingdom of God and then to die for that kingdom that I preached about. That's what I have come to do. So do the same. I mean, there you have it. Love, mercy, truth. Here you go. Know that you're not on this alone. Verse 15, 27, 26. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So here's the wonderful thing. We'll look at it next week in a little more detail. What is the incredible about the fact that you are not alone in that testimony? And how does that work? You've got the Spirit already testifying about Jesus Christ. And you know how it works. You need more than one witness to convince someone. Spirit's witness and guess who? else's witness. Yours. Can bring someone to conviction. We'll look at that next week in more detail. Alright? So, very quickly, as we come to the end, do not seek to avoid hatred. Alright? Jesus never sought to avoid being hated. He was clear and in front and told people, here I am. Without me, you can never get to God, the Father. I'm the only way. He didn't try and avoid. But also, don't fall for the second, the opposite. Do not find your joy in being hated. Now that sounds weird, hey? Anyone here finds their joy in being hated? Be careful. We all do. We love it when we can say, I have been hurt even though I did the right thing. We all have that tendency in our spirits. At least I did the right thing. And people don't like me because I did the right thing. Be careful. We live in a culture now that if you can prove that you have been hurt somewhere or your class that you belong to have been hurt somewhere, you've got brownie points. Did you know that? Love to be able to show that in the past I was suppressed. And if you can prove that, you have a naughty badge. And you can claim that you now have a right to speak. In the early church, many people actually were seeking to be persecuted so that they could be declared martyrs. We all know the big one that happened a couple of years ago when two planes flew into the Twin Towers. Why did they do that? So that they could be seen as martyrs for what they believe in. They rejoiced in the fact that they could kill themselves and be hated for the sake of Allah. Christians have done that, actually. Just read your history. So be careful that you don't fall into the trap of actually wanting persecution to prove that you're a Christian. Don't look for it and don't run away from it. Just be like Jesus, stand and do it. When it comes, it comes. When it doesn't come, it actually doesn't come. 
And so when it does come, don't fall away or go silent. Most of us don't fall away. Most of us just go silent. Telling people that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he alone can save them sounds to people like you are trying to, I'm going to now from now on control your life. And when it gets heated and uncomfortable, we say, I'm not going to say this again. Then I go silent because of the tension it creates. Jesus says it will create tension. It will create upsetness. So you speak from what you are convinced about. If you're not convinced about it, you won't speak about it. If you're convinced about it, you'll speak about it. Then the pressure will come, and then you'll go silent. That's your. T- it's all of, I mean, all of us are like that, isn't it? We want to go silent because we want to avoid the tension. Don't do it to seek tension. <laughs> Don't do everything in your power not to create tension. Speak it, and if the tension comes, it comes. And stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what Jesus is really telling us this morning. So if you have never been hated as a Christian, I've got a great exercise for you this week. Go and pray to the Lord God. Lord, convince me if I really believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of this world. And then go and tell people that. And look carefully at their faces. And you will experience what Jesus says is happening. You will be hated. Some of us actually may be even killed. Very unlikely, but possible. If you want to know if this is true, why don't you test drive Jesus? Go and tell people that this world cannot be saved by a politician, an economist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a whatever else there. Any other, get, any other takes. It can only be saved through Jesus Christ. And you will find people will have disgust written all over their faces. Not everyone, hopefully not. Hopefully you'll bump into a real Christian who embraces you and rejoices and you can have a prayer meeting in the middle of the shop. But a lot of people will just be so stunned that they'll either keep quiet and avoid you or they'll become aggressive. If you tell the world there is no salvation outside Jesus Christ, it's not a popular message, guys. Jesus says, if you love me, follow me. Be my disciples. And this is what you can expect. Remain in him so that he may remain in you so that you may hold out hope for this world in grace and truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in one sense this is such a simple, straightforward reality. No human heart naturally wants to hear that he cannot save himself, that nothing he puts his trust, his hope, his effort, all his years of labor in can actually change and give him life. It really does sound like that's bad news. Help us Lord, not to steer away from your grace and truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Thank you that you have cornered us eventually. Thank you that you have broken down all our schemes of trying to save ourselves. Thank you that you have dashed all our hopes and all our false expectations 
Thank you that you keep on doing it. Thank you that you can bring us and have brought many of us here this morning already to an increasing depth of understanding and reality and agreement with Jesus Christ that no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through him. No one can have eternal life except through him. How is it possible that we could say we love people and not tell them that you won't have eternal life without Jesus Christ? Oh Lord, won't you bring us to a deeper conviction if we're not there? I pray for every one of us here. I pray for myself. Lord, there are times that I fluctuate. I'm like a reed in the wind. I sometimes bend with where the direction of the wind blows and I keep quiet when I should say something and sometimes I'm obnoxious and I say something when I should keep quiet. Lord, we pray that we will remain in you so that we may remain in the life that is life indeed and that by a humble, joyful, serious, convicted, kind, strong, persistent reality, we may hold out the word of life to a world that is desperately running around trying to make a better deal. Lord, help us to help people to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for reminding us this morning, Lord, that uh, there are consequences in following you in this world. They are real, and they can be absolutely terrifying. Thank you that you have overcome all opposition, all persecution, and you have also overcome death. So in you indeed is our hope for life and eternal life. So cement us deeper into you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen.